0: Good morning and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. I'm very lucky today to be joined by Aaron Steffi, who is co-founder of Propeller Bonds. Um, Aaron, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. uh, Up and at. ready. I have a full day of meetings after this. Yeah. Are you you in some sort of airport hotel? Is that is that um... Uh, not an airport hotel, but I'm in a hotel in Kansas City, Missouri. We have a bunch of large broker partners uh, in the Kansas City area. So just doing some in-person meetings, uh, meeting some people that we've done business with for years and have never actually met face to face, stuff like that. So it's been we got here yesterday, had some meetings. So it's been pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I I only ask. You've got a very large. I think it's probably a seven four seven over your shoulder or something. Or a, so. <laughs>
1: yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's funny. I, I was like, it. I
0: was like, oh, airport hotel. But it's so funny to talk about face to face meetings, isn't it? It's almost um, old fashioned, but very much. I feel they're very much on trend again. I, I'm being asked to go and visit people now, which, um I, I don't know yeah. about you. But I'm really enjoying.
1: I love it. Yeah, I like to socialize in general, anyway. So um being able to get out is is awesome and like I was just telling you I have small kids at home and whatnot so it's kind of nice to to get a break and and go be an adult
0: yeah not not (laughs) not a bad thing but um
1: Aaron
0: before we um dive into it it'd be really nice if um obviously we've introduced you from the top but never better than coming from you so be really helpful if you could introduce yourself and, and obviously the propeller bonds business
1: yeah sure so um the abbreviated version is um I grew up kind of in an insurance agency family, so I uh, currently live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, we, my uh, parents ran a very small a mom and pop um, home and auto insurance agency, which uh, after school I joined and was kind of working in it and um, wound up doing an MBA program to just kind of figure out like next steps in my life, and I wasn't sure what to do, so I did that at Villanova in Philadelphia, but um I founded this company with my cousin, uh, Chris Colger, who at the time was um, working at, at Chubb in commercial surety, and I was on the retail side, an insurance agency, and, and our agency didn't do a lot of bonds, honestly. They would mm-hmm. We would just kind of trip over them um, as they came in, which was uh, kind of a, an impetus for starting this. And so we would get together and and I would kind of gripe about surety from my lens, the agent that's submitting the business and transacting the business. And he would kind of gripe about it a little bit from the carrier lens and and his hangups. And, um, you know, through some serendipitous things, we met our technology partners who um, sit in Australia and we launched Propeller. And we launched Propeller two and a half years ago. And at the time, we just set out to uh, essentially automate what's called transactional surety bonds, just everyday, simple one, two, $300 premiums, but they eat up a ton of time for insurance agents that don't do it all the time. And it's, it's super time consuming and a low on a low dollar amount. So there's a low ROI. So a lot of agents just ignore it. Like my agency would, and when they would get it, you know, you're, you're piddling around with it for an hour or two to get, and it's a $30 commission item. And yep. I was like, gosh, how can you, how can we streamline that? So that's what we set out to do. And then it kind of slowly, we launched during COVID, um, <clears throat> which was, uh, you know, interesting in and of itself. And so yep. it kind of slowly started to mushroom and then it's been exploding for the last two years. So we have, uh, we're an MGA. Um, and the reason we launched as an MGA, you know, surety, if we did a SaaS model, surety so fragmented there's only probably a hundred customers that would buy a subscription software service to process their surety bonds it's the hundred largest brokers in america but being an mga we're able to um you know act essentially as a wholesaler for our revenue model but we can give this away for free and clip the ticket on the way through and so we don't get paid unless you like love the product and you use it and um and so we work with about 2500 agencies currently um all all sorts of shapes and sizes so uh some of the largest brokers in the world all the way down to little agencies like the one i grew up in and um we transact uh bond premium not only transactional anymore but large ticket items as well so we've really moved upstream uh as far as our offering goes and um we kind of operate two sides of the house so my cousin chris is on the underwriting operations side and i've handled the fundraising uh marketing sales growth side and it, it's kind of indicative of our personalities too. We're, we're very much a yin and yang uh, duo. And so that's kind of, um, it's been a really cool journey so far. And that's kind of where we sit today.
0: Fantastic. Thank you. Um, lovely, like natural split. I'm amazed how much that happens. I I, I always think about um, partnerships or the founding teams, almost like those, those, those games you have in the arcade where the coins just kind of fall down and they rest where they rest. Yep. um I, I think that sort of naturally just happens. you go, oh, you're good at that we didn't realize, okay, you take that and then I'll take this and and it's really yeah. good when they kind of compliment um there's a few things I want to backtrack on there and I think sure. I think it'd be really interesting to framework because this goes out, we were just talking about the distribution I think you you, you hit on a really important point. security means different things internationally or, or certainly people's perception of, of, yeah. of surety. And now you'll know you've gone upstream. So that kind of, I think upstream stuff is probably a bit more um, well-known, the kind of big big projects, civil engineering, that yeah. sort of stuff. But I think day-to-day surety in the US, um, what does that cover? Like who's using that? Who's buying that? Just so we can get a real picture of exactly what
1: you're doing. Yeah, that's a great question actually. So um, surety is kind of broken up into two silos. There's contract surety, which that is bonding a contract or a job typically follows construction, but can be other things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you get the really large ticket items typically. Um, the day-to-day surety that insurance agents and brokers, I, I say trip over here every day, is what's called commercial surety, but it's mostly license and permit bonding, which means it's a, it's a bond typically required by a state or a municipality or a federal agency just to be able to get licensed to do certain types of business, and they're different in every state and every municipality. So, an example that's a pretty oddball example is every nail salon in New York City has to have a surety bond in place that says they're going to basically abide by the laws and regulations of to get their to get their certification or their license to conduct business. Mm-hmm. Um, same with contractors in every different part of America. Um, same with truck drivers and, and uh, it, it, to get their uh, federal motor carrier number would have to have like a, to be a freight forwarder, they would have to have a bond. So a lot of, and those bonds renew every year, they're not fixed to a certain project, they're fixed to essentially how long you stay in business. So, um, you know, if I'm here in Kansas City today, if I wanted to be a, you know, a licensed electrician in Kansas City, they may the, they may require with my application, proof of a million dollars in general liability coverage and proof of a surety bond uh, in, in an amount that they would desire. So sometimes it's 10,000, sometimes it's 50, sometimes it's 100. It's completely dependent on, so it really, there's a, it's three parties involved instead of just two parties, like a typical insurance contract. You have the carrier, the customer and a, a government agency who stands to benefit if this person um, does not abide by the, the law set forth in the bond. So um, those are typically small ticket, you know, 10, 20, $30,000 bonds, but there's millions of them. And, and those are, and notaries need them. Contractors need them, you know, all the way down to, you know, odd obligations like the nail salon. And, um, and so there's, there's about set on our platform. There's about 7,000 different types of bonds you can purchase in the U S and there's it, there's no set number, but it could be as high as ten to fifteen thousand obligations throughout the U.S. Um, just based on wherever you're at. That's that's
0: super interesting because the, the, the thing the thing I was thinking about as you were saying that, which is, we talk about on the podcast, insurance as a social good. Um, I talk about it with my team that you know we, we had a new starter this week, and I was sort of saying, no, you've got to believe me, insurance is more interesting than you think. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the usual pitch but essentially yeah. saying that biz- business doesn't happen without without insurance and it's like the sort of liquidity of the situation
1: mm-hmm. yeah bonds
0: are such a useful tool for facilitating business in a way that would be unaffordable otherwise because otherwise presumably you've got to put that 10,000 up front or you that 20,000 yep. up front so yep. it really sort of bleeds into that kind of social good aspect of what insurance can do mm-hmm. um and then you're leaning to that even even further because you're making that an easier play than probably was possible before yes um um, i won't won't ask you to comment on that because i have just thrown you no i would
1: i will i will make a quick comment on that actually i think that's a very good point the social good aspect of it because you're also allowing oftentimes smaller uh players whether it's in let's use construction for example you're getting Mm. them on jobs that they may not have ever been able to do if they had to put up a million collateral or a million in cash so in the european market they typically use bank letters of credit for this kind of stuff and what surety bonds often do is replace bank letters of credit. So all that money is being tied up, and in the U.S. we offload it to an insurance company for a one, two, three percent rate based on your fi- the financial health of the company, and that money doesn't need to be tied up. And it allows also, like I mentioned, a lot of times smaller players to get on bigger jobs um, because they wouldn't have you know the liquidity to to post that in cash off to the mm. side.
0: It really resonates with me as well I, I i've told this sob story a few times but not on this podcast but to people in recruitment that would understand this you know we're we're a recruitment business that's what we do yep. um i was very lucky that i went into a, a massive insurance company that were building out their uh data science and engineering team they'd, they'd never done it before um which sort of shows you the date of this but this is when i first went into my first business won the contract after a pitch um and essentially it was about, we were so young a company and by young, I mean, we were less than six months old that, that mm. we didn't win it because they didn't believe that we were financially viable. Now we were liquid, but a bond would have solved that problem. Like if I'd been able to put up a bond or something like that, it, it would mm. have really solved that issue. Um, uh, and I, I can't say the amount of money it was worth because it would make me cry. <laughs> 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 but so I'm I'm really supportive of of, of, of surety and the, and the way that it's utilized. And I don't think we utilize it enough in other parts of the world. But in the US, I find it interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I want to talk about your background, Aaron. You know, you touched on it there, insurance background, of course, but not pure surety. Starting with a cousin that has got yeah. the surety background, but the the intersection between your MBA. Um, and launching your own business, and then going into a market that you are not necessarily as as as, as knowledgeable yeah. in. Um, there's, presumably there's no accident there. Were you, were you looking for a problem to solve at that point?
1: Yeah, there's two things. I didn't know how deep to go into that story at the beginning, at the outset, but um, yeah, I guess I kind of brushed over that. So two things, essentially. We were looking to sell the agency. And, well, we weren't looking to, but we had offers to, and it was uh, right at that right time where private equity back buyers were just buying up everything and the multiples were huge and, and long story short, we never sold the agency, but we were looking to and I was kind of thinking oh my gosh what's my next step do I want to be a a broker somewhere do I want. So that's what uh, spawned the MBA, but during the MBA, I met someone who put me in touch with another person and I can I won't name them but I consulted on an insure tech startup. And I was, and they just asked me to consult on, you know, hey, what do, it was, it was gonna digitize the ENS market was their, was their uh, charge. And I'm getting down the road with them as a consultant and I'm realizing slowly but surely that these, the people I'm working with, they don't know anything about insurance. And it's no fault of theirs. They, that's why they hired me as a consultant. But I I really, that, that was a light bulb moment for me because um, I think that I'm part of maybe kind of like a newer next generation of insure techs that are spawned from ins- the within the industry. So an insurance person, uh, Ragov Tana from Tarmica is another person that was at an agency and whose father had an agency that that did it. And so I just kind of that was a light bulb moment where I was like, you know, there's a lot of tech people trying to get into insurance because they see, you know, an opportunity. But there's, they're not going to solve the problem the way they should because they're not, um, they're not insurance people. They don't do it every day. Mm-hmm. And this was a problem specifically with surety bonds, where the total addressable market was not huge and whatnot, where it was, it was really obvious to me that, you know, this problem is, has to be solved from within the industry. And um, even the way we raised money, we announced our seed round recently, um, you know, it there it wasn't a bunch of VCs involved. It was crowdfunded from strategic partners within insurance because they see it and they're like, "Yeah, obvious. This is an obvious win." Whereas a VC, it's not, it's not obvious enough to them. And mm-hmm. um, and so, anyways, that that was kind of how what spawned um, me starting this. I think like once that light bulb went off, um, I didn't just walk out and say, "Oh, I'm gonna go start my own insure tech." But it was now in the back of my mind that seed was planted of like. i I was now going through life with that in the back of my head looking for an opportunity and then um i was working with the city of philadelphia and the state of pennsylvania some government officials um to do reverse flow business uh so you know european companies you know coming into the us that might put an office in philly i would be a liaison for their insurance potentially or i would get referred the business and one day they referred our technology partners our future technology partners and I was just supposed to sell them insurance, essentially, and, and sell them on why they should put an office in Philly. And I became uh, really good friends with the guys, and it's called AX Group in Australia. And I became really good friends with them. And over the course of time, we just were like, you know, let's just do a JV. And uh, and and they were kind of looking for their first customer in the U.S. just to break in. And I kind of sold them on the idea of like, hey, you know, let's do a joint venture. I don't know what we're going to solve yet, but there's this thing called surety bonds here. And I have a cousin that I could rope into it and it could be an interesting play that we could really, you know, do something cool with. And that's what started this long journey. And we were building it about a year before uh, we launched. And one quick sidebar for that, like, so surety bonds prior to COVID, uh, you know, historically, they've always been an in-person deal. The, The city or the state or the government official wants it to be sealed and you'd have to go down to the, to the place and turn the bond in. And over the course of the last five, 10 years, about 20 states started accepting electronic signatures, electronic seals, et cetera. So when we were building this out about a year before COVID, we were building it out just for those 20 states. And with the idea that over the course of time, more states will you know be added. And then literally right at like the day we launched or the day we were going to launch COVID hits, but all 50 states started accepting electronic signatures overnight because no more in person, no more going down. No one had printers. No one had seals. Everyone was home, and so the market came to us in a lot of ways. So there was some serendipity there, um, where overnight, like we had the solution. It's almost like we had, you know, built it for COVID, and yeah. um, you know that was kind of a cool aspect of it.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting. The impact of COVID. Um slightly resonates with us as a business we'd we'd, we'd always done us but it always it's always been much harder because you always lose out to that person that could be there physically and then all of a sudden you went well this you know square of real estate is the only interaction we're ever going to have so mm-hmm. my pitch was accepted alongside other people's who might be us based So it was kind of interesting how those things changed um mm-hmm. i wanted to dive into your sort of view on the investor landscape so it's quite interesting I, d- I didn't actually i knew about the raise but i didn't realize obviously where the money had come from but yeah. sort of the sort of crowdfunding aspect but maturity is definitely a, an underserved market as far as the kind of my view from an innovation perspective um is there a change and you've obviously sourced it from within the kind of insurance industry but do you think there's a kind of changing investor appetite in suretech. I, th- I think I think if you pitched it now, I think I think you'd get a lot more traction because people are less interested in this massive total addressable market, but they're more interested in kind of like niche products that solve a problem. do you do you think yeah. do you think there's a changing appetite for investors now?
1: Certainly. Well, I think the biggest change though is so surety both both our company and the surety industry as a whole is very profitable. Um, so we have a clear path to profitability and we're not hemorrhaging tons of money every month. And so I think investors, there's actually, you know, there's a huge stockpile of cash that's going to be invested, but I think what's changing is their due diligence on these companies that, you know, you're starting to see the insure tech layoffs and whatnot that, you know, and maybe they, maybe some of them never really had a true path to profitability and just thought the the well would never run dry and you just raise more money and raise more money. And I think investors are now going to put a big emphasis on that path to profitability, and you know that there's a, a sustainable business here, and so um, that has changed. But um, you know, surety is always so. Right now, underwriting profits are down because of supply chain, because of cost of claims, everything. So surety is white hot right now. Like everyone wants to get into surety when um when underwriting profits are down because surety historically is super profitable so our loss ratio last year is like two percent um as opposed to you know a cyber mga that's 90 percent losses mm-hmm. and so they have a bigger pie but is the underwriting profit really different like we can underwrite prof- more profitable on 20 million worth of um, premium as opposed to 100 million mm-hmm. and so um yeah. So and then when you see that underwriting profits are flush and all the carriers are doing great, surety is kind of cast aside. And so it's an interesting kind of play. I think my cousins last year at Chubb, security made up 4% of the revenue and 19% of the profits. Um, <laughs> so I think that, you know, it's one of those things and they get the crumbs of the IT spend oftentimes. And um, anyways, to, to answer your original question. I do think investors will continue to hone in on profitability and therefore I think they will continue to lean into surety um, because there's just, and, and other niche lines of business that are proven to be underwritten for profit. Mm. It's it's
0: fascinating for me from a, in my role. So, you know, a lot of what I've done in the past is, is move teams of underwriters to, you know, and one of the places to find them, one of the most, Profitable places for them to find themselves is setting up MGAs. So, mm-hmm. we've supported a lot of the big MGAs in the past and a lot of the kind of yeah. global MGAs. And what's interesting for me is that the investor profile of like the quote unquote insure tech market is now trying to sort of almost matching the investor appetite of those MGAs. Because if I went up to any of my sort of MGA partners that we worked with in the past, it would be find me niche products with like where there's a unique proposition you can put together in profitable markets. Um, yeah. and and surety fits all of those kind of equations, uh, Um it's, it's quite, yeah. it's quite, and it's quite interesting how that now mirrors what the kind of, what the sort of insure tech uh, investors are looking for. Um,
1: yeah. Well, and there's a true need, like, I mean, there's a need for it, for like our product, uh, you know, there's a true product market fit where agencies need this. They need to be more efficient. And then you, in a rocky economy, like we are, you could say we are now, you know, A lot of insurance agency owners or brokers will cut the cord on the nice to haves, the maybe some of the SaaS stuff or or some of the things that were, you know, they provided a little bit of efficiency and they were nice to have. But we're finding that in this economy, we're being even embraced more because it's an efficiency play. And it, you know, they um they need to get more efficient, they need to get leaner on their labor costs and whatnot. So we're finding that we're being embraced even more. So that's been that's been really um cool to see as well.
0: That was gonna be one of my questions actually, because cause, cause so my understanding and, and... Before I leap into this question, because I suddenly realised that I was I very kindly spoke to your head of growth um, a few weeks back to get some background, Taylor. But I, okay. um, yeah, I, uh, and she was brilliant. And uh, but mm-hmm. tragically, I don't think my notes were up to scratch. But my understanding is you, you're utilising existing broker broker or agency distribution, right? That's yes. That's, wait, um, I was interested about the demand from those brokers. Are you finding that it's being more utilised by brokers that have done surety? um, quite successfully, but just have a demand for digitization and efficiency, or mm-hmm. are you finding more demand from, uh, brokers and agents that have not really previously done surety if now you've got this kind of streamlined solution there that they're, they're open to offering it. Um, I just wanted to sort of understand that the, about the balance of kind of demand
1: really, in terms of what you've been finding. It's all of the above. It's, yeah. uh, yeah, it's a little bit of everything and you never quite know where it comes from. Um, you know i think what we've noticed is um we get it we get it from all over so i always tell people you know product market fits great so say we do 100 demos we're signing on 90 95 agencies but how they use us are different amongst amongst agencies right so to this mom and pop agency we are their full bolt on charity bond department they they need markets they need tech they need people they need to understand what the customer need is we're there. So we act as their complete surety bond department to the large national or global brokers that we work with, which we work with most of them. They look at us more as their transactional department of anything below X amount of premium. We don't really want to touch it. Uh, we're not staffed for that. We, we pay people too much money to be processing hundred dollar bonds manually. So propeller that's our they are transactional unit. Um, mm-hmm. So we see it kind of all over. Um, And that's been, you know, I think like by the end of this year, we'll be close to 5000 agencies using the platform. And that's what's cool about our product is we can onboard new agents for for next to nothing as far as cost goes. So a lot of these agents, um, they they may only do 10 new bonds a year, five new bonds a year, and a a carrier is not going to go appoint them for that level of volume. It costs too much for them to appoint them, but we can do it as an MGA. We could Mm subappoint everybody for minimal cost. And that's okay if you only write five or 10 bonds a year. We'll take five or 10 bonds from 5,000 different agencies, you know, um, and be a home for it. And it also allows us to get them better. You know, right now, cannabis is becoming legal pretty much nationwide here. And all of these cannabis licenses are coming with surety bond requirements as well. Mm -hmm. And we have a specialty carrier that does cannabis that most agencies would have to do you know, a quarter million or a half a million a year in premium with them just to get a contract. But through us, they can go write one cannabis bond a year and they get, you know, 30, we pay 30% commission to all of them and they have no production requirements. And so that's been, anyways, uh, I got off track there a minute, but it's just a long-winded way of saying we get it completely from all over the place, every shape, size. Um, It's the demand's kind of everywhere.
0: That's, super interesting I, I i i think that's um i was wondering how that reflects against your thesis because you obviously started with a this is this is where we're going to get the money does mm-hmm. that does that match that or did you chase the big sort of broken relationships first What 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 was your view
1: we i chased man that's funny yeah the i mean cuz the first year <laughs> Anything. I, the, first, <laughs> the first year i was the guy in your linkedin messages you know i was i, I was always i mean i just we had to get it off the ground so yes. at the beginning i think i chased more larger agencies cuz we needed we needed revenue in the door like we mm-hmm. needed revenue just to keep stay alive um as time has gone on we've worked more and more with smaller agencies and it kind of runs the gamut um but honestly, early on, our thesis early on was appoint everybody. It was, we want to work with everybody with no production requirements. Um, you know, we, we want to do that. Um, where it's coming from, we're starting, starting to hone in on, on different things. I mean, the larger brokers have more volume, um, for sure, but you have to find efficient ways to go about working with them. And it's a longer sales cycle, you know, um, it's a it, it's kind of a, a long time. So I would say that the thesis has always been that we want to work with everyone. We want to be um, agnostic, and we want to be you know completely the we want. I mean, uh, to be frank, like we want to be the world surety bond department. You know, because too many people don't do enough bonds to warrant having someone in house or someone you know an actual department. Now these net large global brokers they do, but there's some pretty healthy size agencies in the U.S. that still don't have a surety bond department because they just feel like they don't do enough of it. And so that's what we want to be is this bolt on surety bond department. And you don't take any haircut in commission because that's a, that's always a thing with MGA's or wholesalers. Right. Like a lot of people feel like, oh, we only go to them if we can't place it with our standard carriers because it, it's you know a clunky process or it involves less commission with us. It's actually a faster process and it's the same or more commission. And so um, that's really what we're kind of positioning ourselves as, is, is this bolt-on surety bond department.
0: Yeah, love that. What, what a great way of pitching it as well, um, because then size and scale is irrelevant. We're just with that, that bolt-on for you. Um, I know that um, one of the things that I was interested in, as we go into this world of insure tech, a bit deeper, we look at MGAs. I think a product like surety is fascinating for me because we discussed just ahead of time, is it an insurance product is it a financial instrument you know it's is it both um now you you could probably give me the academic answer to that but but what I find interesting about that is the appetite for a product like that particularly with the profitability that you can show uh from an underwriting perspective the results it it has the ability to attract like non-traditional sort of area partners or capacity providers um do you see that down the future you know you could see hedge funds being interested in this or or kind of uh, other sources yeah. of capital but really
1: i think private equity for sure uh, yeah. i mean just in people we've talked to we've talked to i think private equity is is um definitely hot on it uh reinsurers family offices have reached out you know a, a time or two so yes i think like i think anyone that is interested in getting into insurance in general, that's that's an outsider today, um, it's a good place to start because of the profit levels. Um, and a lot of the underwriting on the smaller transactional, smaller ticket stuff is not complex at all. Um, it is not, you know, it is, a lot of the stuff is instant issue. And, and a lot of the smaller stuff truly is a commodity. And so when you're dealing with the commodity, that's where our whole thing was, then what matters is speed. Because an agency can get a hundred dollar bond from Travelers or Liberty Mutual or whatever, and it's a hundred dollars across the board, but it becomes how fast can you get it? And yeah. that's where we won. And so, um, to answer your question, yes, I, I think that a lot of non traditional players are looking into getting into surety. Um, and whether it's again, reinsurers, private equity, family offices, I think that we've heard a lot of different feedback. And, um, you know, uh, there's also you know foreign insurance companies that want to get into the u.s surety market as well so we're starting to see some of that too so i think um a lot of that
0: that must be uh well that must be a good weapon for negotiating your renewals of contracts of of, of mga partners uh, you know weapons probably an aggressive term for you to agree <laughs> to but what you know yeah. it, it's it's a, it's a good it's a good string to your bow i would say um does it does that does that play into those conversations and have
1: yes. you kept the same carrier partners throughout? Yeah, yeah. So we, well, we've added carrier partners, but we have like some core ones. We work with all the people you've heard of, you know, Liberty, Travelers, Arch is a very big partner of ours. We love working with Arch nationwide mm-hmm. um, and then several others as well. And so um, it definitely is, I mean, we like negotiating for revenue is one aspect of it, of course. But then also our one of our biggest negotiations is always just like, instant issue threshold and making it easier because the easier the carrier helps us make this to place the bond the more the agent's going to love it and use it so there's a real there's a real kind of um push pull there and then um yeah i mean i would say that certainly there's revenue to to be negotiated on the back end and we definitely do have bargaining power but it's mostly due to um the fact that we take all of the lift off of the carrier i mean we, we handle the billing The distribution they have carriers that work with us love us because they have one contract with Propeller Inc. that to access 5,000 agencies and they could never get their arms around all of those agencies and manage all of that manage the onesie twosie bonds that come in from different and so um, we're very valuable to anyone looking to get into surety because you know when you want to get into surety you need distribution a huge amount of distribution. And then you need technology and a team. And that's what we provide is distribution. It's our team, our tech, our distribution is always on our pitch decks. Um, And that's our three core things that we provide to any, any capacity provider that wants to get in. And um, uh, yeah, so it it definitely is a a power position for us to negotiate from. Sure.
0: Great. That's great. Yeah. I was, I was thinking that it's just, it's, it's such a great distribution play. I mean, it's a, I'd like to say it's a no-brainer, but we, we say this on the podcast all the time. Like the, the the ideas that sound the simplest and and they're solving the most obvious problem, you know, it's usually yeah. the best. You, you don't have to dig that deep. You're like, right, this is no. what we're, we're able to do these things for you at a cost-effective point that you couldn't do yourself. Because
1: no, this was a very it is a very um, simple solution to a very complex problem, and yeah. that's kind of um, what it's been. And then also in the distribution, just allowing. I don't know if you know this about our product, but there's no login. So what it allows is the agent to transact the bond, but also it can be customer facing. And so we're getting, there's no, and it's not impeded by a login and, and there's no need for that. And that was something we did on the agency side. So now an agent can have a button in their email signature or a button on their website, or they could post it on social media. Anyone who buys a bond through their unique URL, they get commissioned, they own the relationship. And so we're launching our embedded uh, solution pretty soon where we're going to actually be able to embed the bond purchase process right into other folks, ecosystems, websites, um, working with other MGAs that are tackling commercial insurance to be able to bolt on the surety solution with them and they can have a passive revenue stream, um, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So that's been um, that's been a cool uh, kind of evolution of our distribution model for sure. Uh,
0: On from that, Aaron, there's there's something that just came to my mind here, and, and, and this is just a position of ignorance. So, so, so please forgive me if it's a stupid question. But it, in surety, is it more of a battle? It, it feels like it's less a battle for price because these are kind of not particularly yeah. expensive bonds. They have to be done because they're sort of mandated by the state or the government. Um, and it is a battle for distribution is that is that fair to reflect on particularly that kind of small everyday transactional bond
1: yeah yeah because there's there's no with typically carriers are competing on coverage and price mm-hmm. and price is pretty much the same across the board there's some variations but pretty much the same yeah. across the board and then coverage there's no coverage in this it's just because you're not getting an insurance policy you're getting a bond from the city or, or, yeah. or to the city and so it's just saying that they will post this money per the city's obligation so Mm -hmm. as long as you have an a rating and you're financially you know capable of of handling these claims if 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 had then you're you're good so it it really does become about speed and distribution and that's our entire um model is distribution speed on the small ticket stuff
0: yeah which 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 was what i thought was so fascinating about it's like the perfect embedded play like embedded is like everything you're like right where can we distribute Fire our partners where they've got the relationship or how close Mm -hmm. can we get to the customer's decision to, you know, once you've said, right, I'm going to be open a nail salon, you need this bond. Like, so what's the closest touch point that they could hit on that they need that bond? And because if price is ubiquitous, then it doesn't, it's just like, who's going to get to them first, really? So
1: yes. um, Yeah, it's embedded. uh, It's made for embedded. We've, we've gotten several requests from our broker partners to do this. Where we can embed it in law firms for probate bonds, or, um, you know, it, it, we're not doing this, but to drop their name, like a company like Home Depot uh, for contractors, like you can embed anywhere there, um, the solution lives, uh, we could easily embed uh, an application. And it's quote bind issue almost every time on the small ticket stuff, um, mm-hmm. where you can literally buy and print your bond within one minute awesome
0: what does that mean for partnerships with other could be another insurtechs i I appreciate there's probably more partnerships with not insurtechs but you know the i'm thinking of companies like i don't veruna run an agency kind of management platform Mm -hmm. is that something that you in your growth role presumably you've explored that is something that, that that's relevant to what you do
1: yeah we're starting to um Really, it's been more like, so we uh, we did a partnership with Tarmica and Bold Penguin. Um, Bold Penguin, I think, should launch fairly soon. And um, and so, and we just did one with Vouch and MGA. And yeah. so I think we're starting to figure out where we live in that in that world. But um, yeah, it's oftentimes, I mean, other insure techs we'd be open to as well. Um, but we for a long time, we didn't have the embedded solution ready. And a lot of those companies don't want the customer to leave their ecosystem to buy the bond. So they want it to be embedded within their ecosystem via API or some sort of wireless iframe, which we've developed. And we should launch that here in the next, like, I don't know, 90 days or so. And, uh, and I think that's when we'll really start to see us play with more insure techs, um, and being able to kind of embed ourselves in there. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's totally where it's going for sure. And, um, you know, I think our, our main distribution channel will always be our agents and brokers. And even if we did an infinity or affinity play like a Home Depot or something, we would slide an agent or broker in between that relationship. Um, yeah. We're pretty steadfast about going like we're big on the agency stuff. We're never going direct. Um, no, n- never have had any intention in going direct. So um, we're like all in on agent broker channel.
0: Because even that affinity relationship, there's a then there's then a demand on you as a business, isn't there, to to, to manage mm-hmm. that relationship and deal with that. If you put the agent in yep. the middle, then you might already have any pre-existing relationships. It's, it's a smart model. Um, uh, w- one more question, Aaron, and I'll probably let you go. I'm intrigued yeah, about sure. we've we've been focusing more on the sort of day-to-day, um, transactional bonds that you've discussed. Um, but I know you've pushed up as as you said right at the top into some of the sort of bigger ticket. How how big are you going and and is there a limit to, to where you can go with the constraints of either your capacity or technology?
1: No. Um, so yeah, we we I mean we just put a $20 million program together for commercial bonds. Um I can't say who the company name is, but we've taken on several publicly traded mortgage brokers um, where they have to have mortgage broker bonds in every single state in America. And it gets pretty, you know, you're talking about um 10, 20 million in, in capacity. Um so we we do all of those. Um I would say that the technology, you know, doesn't underwrite for that. That, that, that's a human touch. So on those larger ticket items, we still streamline the submission process and take care of all the billing on our end and the issuance of the bonds, which is still a heavy lift that we're removing from the agent. But in between there, that's when there's a human touch and our underwriters actually review copies of the contract and underwrite the bonds. If it's outside of our box as an MGU where we have the pin, then we have to submit it to the carrier, to our carrier partners and have them take a look at it. Um, but yeah, that's that's typically how the larger stuff. And honestly, I think like we're getting a lot of, um, we're getting a lot of looks on the larger stuff. A, because the technology does still streamline some of it and organizing the billing and everything. And then B, I think that, we're pretty white glove service on some of it where I think, um, you know, and and then I think the other thing is we're ultimately, we're still an appetite aggregator of carriers. So this $20 million program that we got, if you're a broker, you can submit it to 10 different carriers on 10 different applications with 10 different indemnity agreements, or you can submit it through Propeller and we go do all of that work for you. And it's one submission. So that appetite aggregation, um, I think really helps a lot too. So that's kind of, you know, an element of of why we're seeing some of the larger ticket stuff on the construction side and then also on really large commercial surety programs. Awesome.
0: And we, we don't want to overstay our welcome because I think we just got a minute, Mark, but what a brilliant uh, conversation. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time out. I know, I know you're a busy guy and obviously you're traveling at the moment, away from the family, um, yeah, good or yeah. bad, depending on the day. So um, but, yeah, no, yeah, I yeah. really, really, really appreciate it. Um, are we going to get to see you at any of the
1: InsurTech events this year? Are you coming over to London? or? It sounds like it. I was talking to Sophie. I would love to get back to London. Um, I was able to catch a, a Premier League match last time I was there, and I absolutely loved it. Um, but I will be at InsurTech Insights in New York. Uh, It sounds like you might be there too. So um, yeah, we'll have to get together.
0: All right. Good man. Look, I'll hold you to that. Um, Aaron, thanks again for being a guest and um, yeah, really appreciate you being on the leadership and insurance podcast.
1: Thanks Alex. Appreciate you, man. Thanks bud.